Well, hey, everybody, so good to be with you today. You know, we're launching this new series today called Rest Less. And we planned this series a few months ago, honestly. And then as time came and we're quarantined, we're like, does this, does this series really fit? Because it feels like everybody's getting rest. I mean, think about it, your kids are home from school and they just want to kind of spend time playing out in the yard. So you're spending time doing that. And they're doing school online, but everybody knows online's way easier than real school. So it doesn't really count. And so you got a lot of extra leisure time on your hands. Many of you are working from home. And so you sleep late probably a little bit. And, if, and you probably stay in your pajamas unless you're on a Zoom call and then you dress from the waist up, right, while you're drinking coffee, you know. I mean, so you're not really in a hurry to go anywhere because you're not going to the office. And if you have college kids, they're home and they're so glad to be home because they didn't really like being off by themselves anyway on their own. They're glad to be at home where mom and dad pay for the food and they're so helpful around the house. I know that probably some of you have gotten decks rebuilt and houses painted while you're college kids and you didn't even ask them to do that. They just kind of did it and they take care of their siblings and um, they clean up after themselves and their motto is here to help. We know that. And so you're getting all this rest of things you don't have to do. You didn't have to go on spring break. That's pretty amazing. You had to go spend all that money. You didn't have to drag your kids down to Disney World and them cry and scream because they didn't get to ride Space Mountain 19 times and how easy was that and then you don't have to go to the gym because everybody knows gym just makes you tired right and so you get to stay at home you know you may go walk around the block to get your exercise but we know that's not the same right you're still you're still getting plenty of rest and then and then you can't go shopping and God knows that's the most tiring activity in the world and so listen you're getting a lot of rest or maybe not <laughs> Maybe that's not your experience. Maybe because your schedule is so out of ordinary, you're feeling this anxiety and this tension and maybe a little stress, maybe a little extra on edge. And for some reason, you feel a little tired. And if you're honest, it hasn't just been the last three weeks. It's been the last three years, the last 10 years, maybe as long as you can remember. Man, you are wired and tired. And you see in our culture, what we do is we wear busy as a badge and restless is the result. And we feel like we're not getting enough rest. And what we're, what we're needing is not just physical rest, that's a symptom. Listen, what we need, we need soul rest. That's what we need. You know, this is not something a spa day is gonna resolve or that a vacation is going to remedy. It's going to require understanding what Jesus says about rest. You know, the, the results we're getting in life are perfectly designed by the lifestyle that we live. And for many of us, we need to understand what it means to change up our lifestyle so that we can get soul rest. You know, we're going to get out of this together, man. We're going to move. It'll be a new normal, but we're going to move past it. And we're going to be able to gather and we're going to be able to go and we're going to be able to do the things we used to do. But we need to use this time right now to establish some rhythms that don't run us ragged and burn us out. Right. That help us to live from rest so that we can be productive and we can be ready when the time comes for us to move into the future. Like, wouldn't you love to live with more peace, more rest? 
more centeredness, more satisfaction. Listen, this is the promise of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you, hey, grab your Bible. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to look in verse 28. Listen, while you're doing that, just want to point out a couple of resources for you. Maybe you could read over the break while you're home and uh, maybe while you do have a little extra reading time. You know, one of them is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Many of us uh, on, t- on the team have, have read this. You can see I got my bookmark in there. I'm not done yet, but man, that's some of the material you're going to hear today is from that book. Also, so John Eldridge's Get Your Life Back. Um, Eldridge has written a lot of books, and these are some practical things you can do each and every day to get rest. And also this one, To Hell with the Hustle. I really just wanted to be able to say that in a sermon, and so there it is. Uh, and so maybe you want to pick up these three books, some resources for you. And so before I, before I read from Matthew 11, let me take just a minute just to pray for us. Let's pray together. Lord, we're just grateful that you have uh, given us this opportunity to rest, that you want us to be people who get rest, that we live differently because of the rest that we have in Jesus. God, I pray that today as we look at this idea of rest and what may seem uh, impossible for some, that they would realize, man, it is going to be life-saving for them today. And God, that we would just see rhythms that we could adopt that are going to make us more productive, that are going to make us more happy, that are going to make us more healthy, but God, are really going to help us to be content and satisfied with our life. And Lord, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. So let's, let's jump into Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to start in verse 28. I'm going to start in verse 28. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, I think Jesus describes us right there. He uses the word labor, which just means weary. It's the same word for weary, and maybe your translation said weary, and also heavy laden or burdened down. So the idea is that we're tired and we're bogged down under this weight of life. Now, now Jesus, to understand a little bit about what this idea and this metaphor for yoke means, Jesus to a first century Jew would have just been a rabbi. You know, he wouldn't have, they wouldn't have known him the way we do after the Easter story where Jesus was crucified as we talked about last Friday night and then last Sunday as we talked about the resurrection that it is finished He is risen. They don't know that about him at this point. He's just this teacher that they're attracted to. And every rabbi had what was called a yoke. Now, a yoke is this agricultural metaphor. You know, it 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 ties two animals together, two oxen, two horses, um, you know, two cows, two cats. No, I probably wouldn't work with cats, but, um, (laughs) you know, two animals together so they can do more work. So let's say if you had an ox, if you had one ox that could pull 5,000 pounds, you put two of them together, they could pull uh, 10,000 pounds. But if they were trained to walk together and to pull together, they could pull about 15,000 pounds. Now, now, obviously, Jesus is a rabbi, doesn't have a literal yoke. He's not like tied to somebody super close, like right this close. But right, that'd be kind of weird all the time, right in somebody's face. Although a lot of us probably feel that way now with the corona quarantine. Um, <laughs> we know a lot more about people than we thought we did uh, or maybe even wanted to. Um, but you get the image. The, the, the metaphor is that when you're yoked to a rabbi, to a teacher, and you're in close proximity to him, you're in subjection to him, and you learn everything about the way he thinks 
the way he does life. And so for Jesus, if you were to be yoked to Jesus, you know what everything thinks about, about getting married. You know everything he thinks about finances and about money and about uh, priorities and about sex and about judgment and everything else that you could think of. You would know everything that Jesus knew about that so you could live like him. You could imitate him in everything that you did. And so this is what it meant to be yoked together with someone like Jesus. So Jesus is inviting us into this life of being yoked together with him to learn what it means to live with him as his constant companion. Now, now here's the reality. Jesus knows something about all of us. You know, we're all yoked to something. All of us, we're all yoked to something. We have this close companion that's helping us through life, maybe holding us back in life. You know, for some people, it may be, you know, it may be a performance. Man, that's your yoke. And you want to perform and you always want to win. And, you're, you know, your middle name is competition. And, um, you know, your whole idea is if they don't keep score, why are we doing it, right? Because you want to win competition. For some people, it's performance. For, for other people, maybe it's just climbing the corporate ladder. For some people, your yoke is your potential. Man, you just want to live up to your potential and you don't care about your calling. You just want to live up to your potential. You want your kids to live up to your potential. And that is your God and you are tired. But there's this other yoke that a lot of us have. Most of us have. I think all of us have. And it's the yoke of hurry. It's the yoke of hurry. Man, we're, we're in a hurry. Speed is what we're after. Efficiency is what drives our day. Like, think about this. Like, does this happen to you? You may say that you're not in a hurry. But let me ask you this. When you go to the grocery store and you go to pick a line to check out in, I know you don't do it as often now as you used to, but you go to, to check out in line. Like, do you look for a line with the fewest people? The one that seems to be going the fastest? Well, what about this? Like, like, when you're in traffic, are you counting the cars going by you to see if you need to switch lanes so you can get there faster? Right? I mean, I mean, what about this? Do you look at people who were slow as having a character flaw? Then maybe they, they, they have some kind of birth defect and you're like, what in the world are we doing? And inside you're having this judgment conversation about this person because they're a little bit slower than you are. Like, like what about with Wi-Fi? Like, do you get frustrated with Wi-Fi? Like, you hit a button and you expect a page to load from around the world going through the middle of the universe to land in your den and you're frustrated that it takes more than half a second, right? I mean, we get frustrated with some things. You know what else happens when we're in a hurry? We're not present. And our mind is on to the next thing and what do I need to be doing and what information's coming at me and we're not with our family, we're not with our friends, we're not with our kids, we're not with our spouse, we're not with our neighbors. This is what happens. Let me tell you how we got there. Kind of the history of speed. You know, it started back in 200 BC with the invention of the sundial, right? Now, that seems hilarious, but, but listen to this quote by someone from Rome after the sundial was created. It could have been by someone from the United States, right, in 2020. It says, who in this place set up a sundial to cut and hack out my days so wretchedly into small portions, right? Frustrated that something would actually um, get in the way of their efficiency and their effectiveness, in the 12th century, we had our first mechanical clocks kind of come onto the scene. But then the 13th century, there was this clock tower erected in Cologne, Germany. And our relationship with time changed. You know, our relationship with time began to be locked into a clock rather than locked into uh, the sun rising and the sun setting. And then, thank you, Thomas Edison, for the light bulb. Now, I love the light bulb, but here's what, the light, here's what happens with the light bulb. With the light bulb, you can stay up late-er. 
You don't have to just work until the sun goes down and you can work into the night. Now, now when he invented the light bulb, I want you to think about this. The average American got 10 hours of sleep a night. 10 hours of sleep a night. You know what it is today? Seven, a little over seven. We've lost three hours of sleep every single night. And we know what lack of sleep can do to you, don't we? Man, lack of sleep causes you to be less effective at everything that you do. It causes you to be more tired. It causes you not to think clearly. It causes you to make poor decisions. This is what happens when you, when you, when you don't get enough sleep. You know, have you, ever, have you ever fell asleep while driving? <laughs> do you notice that that's the best sleep you can ever get? Because when you wake up from that, you're fully awake, aren't you? <laughs> like you are wide awake for a while. Listen, you know, the next time you get into an Uber, don't ask to see their driver's license. That's covered. Ask them how much sleep they got the night before, right? You get on an airplane. When that happens again, you go by the cockpit. How many hours of sleep did you get last night? Because somebody else is taking care of his pilot's license. The next time you have surgery, you need to check with that doctor to see how much sleep he got the night before. Because it matters. Lack of sleep. Man, lack of sleep is killing. So we're all running on ragged because we're, we're not getting enough sleep. Um, you know, in 1967, this is amazing. There was a, a study done and a report given to a Senate subcommittee. And it said this. It said, by 1985, the average American will work 20 hours a week, 27 weeks a year. Our biggest problem is going to be what do we do with our leisure time? See, and that hasn't happened. Because the more time we have, the more we tend to fill it up. And so we go faster and faster and faster and faster. And then you had in 2007 something that changed it for all of us, right? The iPhone. This little, this little beautiful God right here that we're all yoked to. Like, and think of what all the good it does, but think of the harm that it causes to us. We get enamored with it. We get locked into it. And we hear the ding of a like or a text, and we have to immediately look at it because it gives us that dopamine hit, and we run to it, and we can't live without it. And all of a sudden, what happens is we're yoked to our phone. Listen, let me let you in on a little secret. We own this phone. It doesn't own us. I paid for this phone. It doesn't pay for me. And so we need to act like it at times. Man, the iPhone, while all, all the greatness that it has brought into our lives, man, there's a downside that we need to, we need to pay attention to. You know that uh, the average American has, has um, an attention span of eight seconds. Eight seconds. The average goldfish has the attention span of nine seconds. Right? <laughs> so like, we're, we're, we're losing to goldfish. We're losing to goldfish. John Ortberg, who's an author, John Ortberg said this. He said, hurry is not just a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. So when we're yoked to hurry, what we can expect as a result is a disordered heart. You know, your life is perfectly designed to give you the results that you're getting right now. And it could be that hurry has become your rabbi. And hurry is giving you results that, that you really don't like, but you don't know how to do anything about it. And this is where Jesus comes in. I mean, the solution to being tired isn't to have more time. It's to slow down. It's to get a different rabbi. It's to be yoked to something different. You know, this is Jesus' invitation. It's an invitation to the stressed out and the burned out, stuck in traffic, not ever seeming to be able to get that last task checked off my list, reaching for that next cup of coffee to get me through the day. And he says this, take my yoke upon you. 
Watch me is what Jesus is saying. Look at me. Learn from me. See how I handle life. Look at my priorities. I don't don't care what the world says. I don't care if it looks like it's impossible. You need to look at the results you're getting and and look at the results that I'm offering in rest and see see if that's appealing to you. He's like, watch me and just do what I do. Look at how I make decisions. And here's what's promised, man. When we need wisdom, man, God will give it to us. When we need strength, man, God will hold us up. When we need perseverance, God will put wind in our sails if we take up the yoke of Jesus. Now, he says this, my yoke is easy. Now, I love this word easy because it, it has these two meanings. It means, that, it means that it's good and kind. It means that it's good for me and kind to me. So think about this. May everything that God has for us, he, want, he, he, he has good for us. And in every thought and action towards us, He is kind to us. You know, sometimes we get this image of God that maybe God's angry, wants to drop the hammer, or maybe God doesn't care. Maybe God's just ambivalent towards me, but it says here that this word means He's kind to us. But I love the fact that He has my good in mind. Because here's the reality. Man, God knows what He created you for. Man, God knows the pace that you should live. God knows the progress you should make. God knows whatever it is you need to accomplish. God knows because he made you for that, you know, and he doesn't want anything from you. He wants something for you. Now, now, now sometimes I think Facebook knows more about me than God does. Do y'all <laughs> like I had this experience. We've all had this experience. I think it's like maybe you're in a group of friends and you're talking and you're talking about something you've never talked about before. I don't know. Um, Red Legos, right? I don't know what it would be. You're talking about Red Legos. All of a sudden, one of your friends holds up their phone. I just got a Facebook ad for Red Legos. And, and here's, what, here's what happened. I started thinking to myself, Facebook hears me. It's listening to me. And then I realized, no, it's worse than that. Facebook knows what I'm thinking, right? Then I thought, nope, it's worse than that. Facebook is telling me what to think. <laughs> And it is dictating my life. Now, I don't know if any of those three are actually true, but here's what I know. Facebook does what it does for, to get something from me, to get money from me. I'm not saying that's bad or unethical. That's just their model. And Jesus wants something for me. And Jesus wants rest for my soul. Listen, when your soul's tired, your body's tired, your mind is tired, God wants rest for our soul. Man, listen, if you, um, maybe you don't feel like, maybe there's some, maybe you don't feel like you're getting rest or maybe you don't realize that not having rest is the problem in your life. I just want to read off um, some symptoms of what it means to not have rest. First of all, you're, you're irritable, right? People can do nothing. Good morning. What's so good about it? You know anybody like that? You're just irritable. Maybe that's you. You're just irritable all the time, even when people don't do anything. Maybe you're impatient. You're the one honking your horn. You're the one kind of waving at people. You're the one kind of under your breath saying, hurry up, move on. You could be pessimistic about your life. You wake up in the morning and you're like, here we go. Another day in quarantine. This this is terrible. When's it going to be over? And everything is the glass is half empty. And you feel like something's happening to you. And the reality is you may just be tired. You may struggle with some depression. You know, you may not want to get out of bed. And it may be low level. You just don't have that spring in your step, that sparkle in your eye that you used to have. It could be a low level. It could be you're more emotional. You know, sometimes you, there may be somebody that just break into tears and you don't know why. And the reality is because you're just tired. It could be that even though 
You feel like you get enough sleep, you still wake up tired. And we have so many different sleep aids. I mean, you can get so many different kind of beds that you know, fit your, you know, your sleep number bed or you can sleep on the floor. I mean, there's so many different sleep aids and you can take melatonin, you can take Ambien. There's lots of sermons you can listen to online <laughs> to help you go to sleep. <laughs> but you still wake up and you feel tired. But, but here's the big one, right? It's anxiety. Anxiety is what they call the canary in the coal mine. It's this great indicator of, Maybe our souls are tired and maybe you're struggling with anxiety and you think that it's the stock market or it's the death toll or it's the unemployment rate or it's the can't leave the house, right? You feel like that's it, but maybe, maybe, just maybe because of all the information that we're bombarded with, because of all the news that's coming at us, because of all the decisions we have to make, because our routines have been thrown up in the air like powder and blown to smithereens by the wind, could be, could be you're just soul tired. Man, God wants to give us rest. God wants to give us rest. You know, rest, if, if I were just to have to try to define it, it would be hard. It's easier to describe than to define. But man, it's just this feeling of ultimate well-being that eventually I'm going to be fine. Man, that I'm going to be rested. I'm not going to be called to do anything that I'm not capable of handling. That's what rest is. I love what um, in, the, in the message version of the Bible, I love how Eugene Peterson writes this particular passage. He says this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Like, doesn't that sound amazing? Isn't that the life we all want? This life of rest. And that's the promise that we have. There's two things that rest will give us, right? Two things that rest will give us. First of all, it will give us a calm present. It will, I'll be calm in my present day. Second thing, I'll be confident for my future. So I want you to think what it would mean to be calm in any situation. Have you ever met somebody and their hair is always on fire? Like they're just running, blowing and going. Everything's an emergency. The sky is falling. Everything's extreme. Their hair's always on fire. What if in the midst of all that, you're just a calm, steady presence? You just keep marching. There's one of my favorite verses in the, in the Bible is over in the book of Psalms. And it says this, I will not fear bad news. I will not fear bad news because you know that, that God's going to keep you calm. Those whose mind is stayed on him. God will keep us calm. We can be calm in the present no matter what's happening in the storms around us, man. And we can be confident of our future and we can know that while we may go through times that are a struggle, notice what Jesus doesn't do when he answers and tells him how to deal with being, being weary and tired and burdened. He doesn't say, get your act together. Hey, you should just go to bed earlier. Right. You should just get some better priorities. You should just say no once in a while. He doesn't say that. He's like, come with me. I will help you. I will walk with you. I will walk. I will just learn from me whatever it is you have to whatever it is you need to do. Right. This is what he offers. So we have calm in our present. We can be confident in our future. And the way that we do that is we just don't fill up on rest and then run ragged because many of us try this method is like we go, 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 go. And then we go on vacation and we're even more tired coming back from vacation than when we left. And what we're doing is we're not resting. We're recovering. And sometimes you need to recover. But if you have daily rhythms of rest and weekly rhythms of rest and seasonal rhythms of rest, 
You don't need as much recovery times that we tend to need in our culture. Let me talk a little bit about some rhythms, man, daily rhythms. That's one of the things that we all need to kind of lean into is daily rhythms. And here's what a rhythm does. A rhythm allows you to step back and stare up. Okay? I step back, which means I'm going to slow down, which means I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to stare up. I'm going to get my eyes on God. I'm going to get my eyes off of the world. I'm going to get my eyes off of the chaos. I'm not saying forever. We can look at it. But I'm going to start by putting my focus on God. So daily rhythm. Listen, first thing you should do when you get up, first thing you should do is to read about Jesus in the Bible, right? Every single day, like every day. That's the first thing you should do. So what I do is I'll get up in the morning and I'll read some words from my Bible. And then I will maybe write a few thoughts down in a journal that I have. Then I'll spend some time specifically in prayer. And, and I realize it's people like, I don't have enough time. Listen, you, you have enough time for what's important, yeah. if we're honest. Yeah. And, and the life you're getting is a life that it's, you're, it's, that's designed to give you right now. And so maybe, just maybe, this is a solution for you, a first step for you to be able to remember early in the morning, I'm going to get my eyes on God. And then throughout the day, you have to still kind of refresh yourself. Maybe it's a worship song. Maybe it's reading, maybe on your, maybe on your handy dandy um, yoked to your iPhone, you could put a screensaver with a Bible verse on there. It doesn't mean you should keep it on all the time. There's no excuses here. But it does mean that possibly there's some ways that you can remind yourself of God's great love for you on a daily basis. And it's just our way of rebelling against the pace of the world to say, I'm going to stop. I'm going to get up early. The first, I'm giving God the first part of my day so that I, I can get the first part of his day. You know, one of the things that we've talked about on our team is that, hey, listen, read your Bible before you read the news. Listen to God's voice before before you listen to the voices around us, before you look at social media. I had a saying that goes way back. I say this, uh, no Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. And of course now breakfast is out of style. And so <laughs> no Bible, no anything. How about that? But um, no Bible, no breakfast. It's the first thing. It, it will radically change your life. It seems like a simple step. Then there's some weekly ryth rhythms we have to adopt. And if I were honest, I, have, I mean, I'm just in the middle of a struggle on this. Like what does it mean weekly to just step back and to stare up, right? For me, like, how do I take more than just a small amount of time? And it may require some, some big moves. It may require some big moves that, that I feel like may be uncomfortable and maybe the same is for you. Like, what's it gonna look like for me to be able to turn my phone off for um, a 24-hour period? Like, what does that look like? How can I do that? What's it going to look like for me to be able to step back and not allow the voices to come in? Because I got to remember, I own them. They don't own me. How am I going to be the one in control of that as I step back? And maybe for you, that's, the, that's what you need to do, man. There's a weekly rhythm where you need to shut things off. Let, let me just tell you, one of the best things that you're going to do weekly and that you can do weekly and that you need to continue to do is to gather for worship. We need to gather for worship. Haven't you guys missed being together on Sunday? Like, haven't, haven't you missed being together on Sunday to, to worship together? Um, man, to just see people, even if you don't know their name, they just make you feel comfortable because you see them every week. Man, just to be able to hear God's word taught together. I just want to encourage you to continue to do that even virtually. But man, when we get to get back together, we need to be even more committed to meeting weekly. We can't forsake the assembly to, together of each other as the Bible teaches us. And we know what we miss out on. And hopefully this experience has generated in us appreciation of what we get to do on Sunday mornings and the freedom that we have. Man, you need to gather weekly. And then there's seasonal rhythms that you need to adopt. And it may be you have a big decision. You need to step back and take some time. 
take a couple of days or maybe it's after a big event, a wedding or a party or a new job. You take a few days after to rest and take some time just to step back and to stare up. You know, the reason we don't rest is because we don't trust God. And when we trust God with our present as well as our future, And our souls are at rest. Our souls are at peace. Our souls are calm. Our souls are confident. And so many times we feel like we got to do it on our own. And we we have to figure it out. We have to get moving. We have to make progress. We have to achieve. We have to take care of it. We have to come through. And the reality is, man, God's looking and saying, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And I think for some people that this time it should require you to make some massive overhauls to your life. And you should see your priorities differently. You should see the needs of your family differently. You should see, man, the the fleetingness of riches and of your promotions and how quickly that stuff can evaporate. And it should change how you think and it should change what you're yoked to today. Aren't you tired? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray together. So God, we know that we live in an age of productivity and hurry and busy. And God, some of that can be good. At times we enjoy it. Sometimes it's fun. But God, it can, it can steal our soul. It can sap what really matters to us. So God, that we would just use this time in our culture to really reorient our lives around you today. And guys, just as you're in your living room or in your kitchen or wherever you may be, let's just, in the spirit of prayer, just want to ask you, like, who have you been yoked to? What is that thing that you've attached your life to, that's held you captive, that you've subjected your life to, and that you've learned from, and that's how you've lived your life? Listen, and if it's not Jesus, I'm willing to bet you're not experiencing rest. You're not experiencing rest. So I just want to give you an opportunity today just to figuratively yoke yourself to Jesus, to connect yourself to Jesus by following Him. And I'm just going to pray a prayer. And you can just say it in your own words the way I would pray it. And God will hear you. Dear God, I've pursued my own dreams. And I'm, I'm connected to too much that can't bring me life. And I choose today to follow Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I trust that Jesus is the way to true rest. You know, and the Bible teaches us that if you pray that, you're a new creation. Man, old things have passed, new things have come. There's a new way for you to live today and you'll get different results. And I wanna help you today just to mark the moment. You know, if we were in the building together today, the way that we mark the moment is just by a simple raising of the hand. And we wanna keep doing that because we think it's so important. The way, same way that Jesus raised from the dead, we wanna raise our hand. So I'm gonna count to three. And if you prayed that prayer today, I'm gonna ask you just to raise your hand right where you are on the count of three. One, two, three. Let's go. Raise your hand right now. I mean, I'm believing that God's changing lives. I'm believing that there's some people listening to my voice now that are raising their hands, that, that have chosen to follow Jesus. Just wanna encourage you in that. You know, if you, if you did that, you're going to have an opportunity in just a minute to be able to reflect that decision to us so we can put some tools in your hands so you can continue in this journey with Christ. 
So God, we know that you work in so many ways through technology, God, through, um, man, through our circumstances. And God, as we just go through uh, this corona quarantine, that you'd use it to change us, to be more focused on you, to chase after the things that can give us the rest that we're looking for. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.